Disruption. For most of the past decade, that's been the buzzword in the fintech industry. New companies with exotic names were supposed to challenge the incumbent banks and financial services providers. But fast forward to September 2020, and many of the largest banks and payment companies are still really big and still really thriving. What happened? In this edition of Fintech Friday, the myth of fintech disruption, how the largest banks out-innovated the innovators. I'm Silvio Tavares here in San Francisco on September 4th, and this is Fintech Friday, brought to you by Cardlinks. It's great to be with you. It's fair to say that the conventional wisdom is, well, often not that wise. That's particularly the case when it comes to financial services and banking. If you've been paying attention for the last few years, the conventional wisdom was that new, irreverent startups like Lending Club and Stripe were going to put the big banks and payment companies out of business. Now, to be sure, some of those fintech startups grew and did pretty well. Companies like Square and PayPal, for example. Case in point, PayPal now has a higher market valuation than its incumbent peer, American Express. But the reality is that big banks have done pretty well, and they continue to do so, even through the pandemic. For example, take a look at the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the most widely followed index of large companies in the world. Included in that index are many traditional banks and payment companies, such as Chase, Goldman Sachs, Visa. Now, how many fintechs have grown large enough to be included in the Dow? The answer is zero, zilch, none. So how did that happen? Well, the answer seems to lie in one word, innovation. It turns out that the big banks and payment companies are actually pretty good at innovating. So good, in fact, that when some of the most innovative companies try to launch new products, they go to partner with the big banks and companies. For example, when Apple, the most valuable company in the world, chose to launch a new credit card, rather than create the product on its own, it chose to partner with two large financial services incumbents, Goldman Sachs and MasterCard. On the show today, we speak with the largest Canadian bank, RBC. We learn how they've managed to keep their leadership position by, well, well, by innovating. Eddie Ortiz is the Vice President of Innovation for RBC. Good morning, Eddie. How are you? Very good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm actually speaking to you from San Francisco today. Where are you? I'm in Orlando, Florida. It's interesting. You're based in Florida, but you work for the largest bank in Canada, RBC. Tell me a little bit about your uh, background and experience with RBC and what you do. I head a team called Solution Accelerations Innovations. I'm the vice president of that team. We're based out of Orlando, Florida. I moved to Florida about six years ago. Prior to that, I was in Toronto, had several roles within RBC. The last one, prior to moving into here to the U.S., I was heading the digital strategy for RBC in general. 
And then when I moved to Orlando, Florida, we started our first innovation lab. And six years later, we have been able to do some great stuff to bring some amazing capabilities for our clients. And Eddie, you have a really unique perspective with deep, deep experience, as you just shared, with both the Canadian market and the U.S. market. And, you know, as we look around the world, most banks, most merchants, most companies have been impacted by COVID-19. But if you compare Canada and the U.S., Canada has actually managed to really do much better during the COVID-19 pandemic. From the perspective of banks, how have banks like RBC responded to the challenges of COVID-19? We are very, very fortunate that over the past many years, we have invested heavily in enabling great digital capabilities for our clients. This allowed us to allow digital capabilities to ensure that our clients can perform most of their banking needs through our digital channels. On our mobile banking, for example, we're creating tutorials to make it easier, simpler for them to adopt it. We also, at the same time, needed to support and ensure that we supported our, our employees, our workforce. Having those more frequent communications, ensuring that they're doing well when they adapt to this changing world. We started innovations at RBC very early on. So we had the tools, we had the environment to be able to adapt very quickly to that. And we're still able to do our work in a remote environment the same way that we were doing before when we were in our offices. Yeah. So it sounds like you really made a significant pivot to digital for your services to your customers, but also for your employees to enable them to work from remote locations. Very impressive that you were able to pull that off. Let's talk about another key topic, which is, of course, the pandemic, right? It's always the elephant in the room. It's something that has an impact really right across everything, not just payments. As you think about banking and fintech for the future, there are some changes that have occurred. And my question to you is, is which of those changes are really going to become permanent? You know, I think about my own household. We didn't used to do a lot of grocery shopping online. Now we actually have a lot of groceries delivered online. Despite the fact that I'm a longtime payments industry veteran, you know, I still used cards to pay a lot. More recently, I actually use my mobile wallet for almost everything. Which of these new changes that have occurred in the pandemic, which of these are actually going to continue and just stay as permanent features of the commerce landscape? Overall, I would say that the preference for digital, uh, for both uh, banking and e-commerce, it's here to stay. People, they got a taste of the value that it creates, the convenience that it creates, and they're just not going to go back in many ways. Uh, the other part I would say is data analytics and insights for retailers, they, they need to be able to adopt that to better understand their clients' wants and needs. The competition in the digital arena is very, very different than the physical arena. And more and more clients are getting more comfortable with sharing data provided and that it provides them value for them. But we need to ensure that as clients provide data and they need to, to ensure it's secure and private. Digital wallets, as you mentioned, you know, the adoption of them are through the roof. Also, different methods of payments. And simply because even if you think about a simple interaction in, in, a, in, in a restaurant, in Canada, NFC adoption is huge. But if you think about it, if you go into to a restaurant and you're going to, to pay for something, you, you can tap an NFC, but they're still going to hand you back the terminal for you to enter 
the tip and so on, well, people are not going to want to touch that. There's a much better way of being able to push that back onto the mobile wallet and be able to finish the transaction there. Bluetooth type of payments will, will start coming forward. And those are new methods that started with a pandemic. And, and I see it that they, they will continue. They will stay more permanent on that. The other part that I would say is the speed at which we need to deliver digital services are, are going to stay. You know, that's going to be something because the competition is going to be in the digital arena. Now, within your specific team and your specific role, I know that you focus on certain innovations that are going to help provide further value to your clients. What would you say are the most important new innovations that your team has deployed? I'll start by saying that our background, and specifically for my team, is on payments and security. So we were the first bank in the world, I think, uh, to, to come up with the cloud-based mobile payments which eventually evolved into what you know today about uh, Google wallets and everything else. So that trajectory continues. We deploy something that we call easy split. It allows clients to conveniently manage share expenses in a simple, natural, and social way. The next one that we call calendar, it was scheduled to, to be deployed a few months after COVID hit, but we rushed it out and moved it quickly to support our clients. We needed to make sure that our clients had all the, the ability to manage their cash flow in a much simpler way. We have a capability at RBC that we call NOMI. Yeah, it takes away the thinking about what are my expenses that I have? Do I have $10 to save today? If we take all of that information that we know about you, we automatically save the money for you. If you have $10, we move the money into, into your savings account. Clients, our clients not only like it, they love it. Right. So what we did with Calendar now, we, we provided a visual version of it. We made it very simple. The other one is a capability that we call MyDoll. It allows parents to teach their kids financial literacy in a super fun and simple way. The last one that I will talk about is a capability that is not client-facing specifically, but what we call a VCR. It allows entities to collaborate and share multi-party data while protecting data privacy and security. We have some very big technology partners that we're working with on this. And, and all of this, I would say, is uh, we're very, very fortunate to continue to be able to build these features and support our clients in these times which are very, very uncertain. Well, that's a very impressive list of innovations. And as I was listening to you, I was I was thinking about how comprehensive they are, you know, mobile wallets, the ability to pay, the ability to manage your calendar and your payments, the ability even to do education, financial education for your children and your household. And then also on top of that, the ability to collaborate securely. Those are very, very ambitious products. And I guess the question I have as I was listening to you, I thought about, you know, other companies that have been very innovative, starting from financials, but really broadening out. You know, the one that comes to mind is Ant Financial, the uh, payment affiliate of Alibaba, really branching across all the different key digital work streams in our lives. Is that kind of the approach that RBC is taking? It's, you know, maybe financial services first, but then broadening out to these other areas as well? Yeah, and Silvio, and again, a really fantastic question. Financial services need to be in context to 
our clients' interactions on what they do within their lifestyle. How do they interact when they purchase something? How do they interact with their friends? Payment is a social part. So now you start a social interaction that is very, very natural, while at the back end, you have a financial transaction that's happening. So this is where I see that those connection points that are going to happen. And all of this is going to happen, I would think, more at the interaction level than waiting for clients that are going to come back just to our mobile banking app. You know, we live right now in an age of both creative disruption and creative destruction. You know, there are some companies that are doing really, really well and being really creative and growing with a lot of scale. I think of tech companies, including Amazon, Apple, and we focus a lot on that. But the reality is there are also a lot of companies that are struggling and struggling to survive. RBC is a company that serves a lot of merchants. You serve a lot of big tech companies and small tech companies. And I, and I would just love to get your advice. What, would, what advice would you give companies that are either merchants or technology companies that are going to enable them to be in the creative disruption and, and using creativity to survive and prosper right now so that they don't fall into creative destruction? I would say for specifically for the merchants and some of the smaller merchants, Technology is something that they have to adopt. Understanding how quickly technology can change business models and how technology can impact the businesses is something that they all need to do and need to adopt. Understanding that also they may not have the expertise in-house, there are a lot of consulting services or cloud-based services that they could adopt to allow them to provide their services for the digital channel. I also would say is the ability to adopt and pivot very quickly. The other part is data, adopting data and understanding the value of the data. You know, you heard them many times, data is the new oil. Well, use those insights to better understand the client's needs and behaviors to provide, in the case of, of merchants, those hyper-personalized offers. Those are key capabilities that they will need to adopt in order to keep pace with the Amazon's and the other digital first merchants. Eddie, thank you so much for those great insights. Really appreciated talking with you today. Thank you, sir. It was my pleasure. That's Eddie Ortiz, Vice President of Innovation with Canada's largest bank and financial services institution, RBC. Coming right up, some closing thoughts on banking and partnerships. Now, I've been an executive in the financial services industry for over 15 years. And one of the things I've really come to appreciate is that the art of doing good business is the art of making friends and not making enemies. When it comes to financial services, the smartest, most innovative companies in the world have figured out that partnership or making friends is a much better strategy than disruption or making enemies. As we've heard on today's podcast, the largest banks and payment companies are themselves very good at innovating, but they're also very good at partnerships. Those are the two attributes that will drive the next generation of financial services. And this is an insight that our fintech industry might be effective at sharing with our broader society. There is, we must admit, much division and enemy making going on right now. Perhaps we might all be better off finding some common ground to build partnerships. The world 
would definitely be a better place. For FinTech Friday, for the Cardlinks Association, take care of yourself and take care of each other. God bless you. This is Silvio Tavares signing off.